With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. Once again, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thanks for checking out the show this week. I'll be honest with you, you can probably hear it in my voice, friends. I'm feeling pretty awful today. But we are fighting through this. We have a hell of a matchup. So bear with me. Bear with the voice. And we'll get through this whole thing together. It's a rivalry that has been brewing on the MMA fighting social media team. The callout happened in the comments section of this program last week. So let's get this thing popping, as uh, the youngsters say. Introducing first, the man who actually made the callout. He took Phoenix Carnavale to the limit in the first round of the BTL title tournament. A lot of people thought that he won that matchup. We are happy mm-hmm. to welcome back one of the wily veterans of uh, Between the Links and all iterations over the years, Mr. Jose Youngs. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. First of all, Mike, how did you get the voice of the new Pokemon game to do the intro for Between the Links? Like, super impressive. From the last time I was here, clearly the budget has just like blown through the roof. But anyway, yeah, there's no rivalry. There's no beef. I just, you know, I got real tired of like picking on Jed and AK and like Phoenix is like a demigod of this game. So you can't really, you know, she's kind of like doing her thing, just kind of undefeated over there. I just want a new challenge. It's like, you know, Israel Asanya might fight someone he hasn't fought yet or Kamar Usman because like they're just tired of like picking on the division and like Jed is essentially just cannon fodder and AK Lee is just like, you know, like I don't know. He's there. He's okay, I guess. So this is a refreshing new challenge uh, for my fellow social media squad mate slash coworker. That was that. That was quite the promo right there. You just crush it, staff, but not your opponent. That's the smart pro wrestling way to do this. And this opponent, uh, a, a tremendous debut on the show as a participant last week, defeated AK Lee in a closely contested battle. 
It started as a rivalry, ended with a, a virtual handshake. Happy to be joined once again by Mr. New York Rick, who is uh, kind enough to join us for the second week in a row. And look at that background. Hello, sir. This guy? Um, hello. How, uh, Mike, first of all, uh, glad to be back. Um, sorry you're feeling under the weather. Um, hope you feel better. Um, and much like my, my teammate and colleague Jose said, you know, after mopping the floor with AK Lee, which was a foregone conclusion and a, and a given last week, um, I'm looking forward to the challenge, but it is all love. Um, we are teammates through and through. So uh, thanks for having me back, and, and I'm excited about it. All right. We're happy to see all the all the love in this matchup. So let us kick off with the topic that there's very little love. Let's talk about Jake Paul and Dana White again, because Jake Paul likes to throw these jabs and throw these things every single week at Dana White. He struck again on Friday with a diss track towards Dana White, got some shots in at Conor McGregor and Jorge Mazadal, and we saw some ex-UFC fighters in the video, and from a production standpoint, it was pretty damn well done. So before we get into the actual context, if there actually is any, and what a response might be, Jose, how would you grade Jake Paul's rapping skills here? Maybe not the context of what he's trying to prove, but just overall, like, the flow, everything everything that happened, how, how would you grade it? It's fine. Like on a scale of one to ten, like let's also let's not beat around the bush. Like I know Ariel Hawani, our, our good friend and colleague, host of the MMA Hour, he likes to pretend like he's kind of the be all end all of the hip hop scene here on MMA fighting, which is very far from the truth. It ends with me, uh, and and Eric is right there with me. Like that's like like Ariel can like eventually reach our level, but he's not quite there yet. Maybe in the future when he expands his horizon past like the mainstream. But uh, in terms of his actual bars, fine. For a YouTuber, but it just felt like a high school production, like in terms of the lyrics and the flow and the rhymes and the bars and everything. Perfectly fine for like a high school talent show or like a school project. So five, five out of ten, solid B plus for his pedigree. The beat was also fine. It's just nothing new. It was very like bird on a wire esque from Action Bronson, which is from like 2010, 2011. So uh, the beat is good for 10 years ago. And the bars were fine. So all in all, five out of ten, six out of ten. I don't know if that's yeah, clearly better than Tyron Woodley. I'm sorry, Tyron. Uh, I don't haven't listened to Bryce Mitchell's uh, any of his content, so can't compare it. But still, put Brian Keller kind of above him in terms of his actual ability to spit coherent sentences. So five out of ten, six out of ten, solid B plus with like a GPA of like two point five, and not not in like top one hundred in the classroom. Rick, we're, we're, I mean that that was quite a quite an answer right there. Rick, we're, we're, <laughs> from a scale of, of Tyron Woodley to Brian Kelleher, Jared Brooks, where, where do you put this one? First of all, I love that you're already establishing the floor as Tyron Woodley. Like we just we're just going with that as, <laughs> as the floor. Um, let me ask you just to clarify: we're talking strictly the lyrical acumen. Yes, we're not talking about yeah, the like, production yet. Yeah, just like it, was it a good rap? Like were you like, oh, this dude can rap? He can flow a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to give him a two. Uh, I'm going to give him a two for that. Um, I, th I thought it was pretty dreadful. I thought, uh, first of all, we're not getting, you know, uh, we knew what the title of the song was going to be. Um, I didn't know that the entire chorus hook section was going to be just fuck Dana White. Um, and uh, not a not a fan of uh, of what he did with that or F Dana White. Um, excuse my excuse my language. Um, but uh, yeah, two out of ten. Two out of ten. Um just not very creative lyrics um did what he needed to do i think he accomplished what he what he needed to 
um, in, in that section. Uh, but the, uh, but the, the, the lyrical acumen, um, was quite low. I thought, I thought the other elements that we might talk about later, um, were, were more impressive. The actual, the actual lyrics, um, I'm, I'm going to have to go bargain basement on that one Two two might even be being kind on that. All right. So let's talk, let's talk about the rest of it. What, what, what stood out? What impressed you about it? Yeah, I thought, um, it was a solid, um, it was a solid knockoff of like an Eminem circa 2000s music video. Um, the, the style, the cinematography, the vignette, um, that part, you know, the, the way that he was kind of interspersing, um, vignette moments and the actual music video, um, I thought was quite impressive. I thought the production values were actually quite high and, and he did a, a decent job on that part. Um, the Dana White stand-in could have used a little bit of work. I wasn't, I, I'm not sure if that person is somebody in his life or somebody in Dana's life, uh, that he, uh, that he wanted to squeeze in there. But I didn't think it looked quite like Dana. I thought that was a bit of a miss. Uh, it was nice to see Cyborg and Antonio McKee in there. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, so on that on that scale of one to ten, that I might give an eight. I think the production, I think the level of effort, I think his um, ability to bring it all together was significantly higher. Uh, but the lyrics were were just not there for me. And quite frankly it felt like more of a shot at Conor McGregor than it felt like a shot at Dana White. I'll be honest. I thought, I thought Conor took the most bullets on, on that one um, as, as opposed to Dana White. Before we get into the, like whatever context or whatever, Jose, like did the production and the effort overtake the actual rap or we're out? Or is it like, is it a five all around top to bottom, all categories? I just don't particularly care about music videos in general. Um <laughs> I can't remember the last time I really watched an entire like I, Jake Paul's was probably the last video I remember watching. Um, I'm also not big into like high production like type of stuff. I'm, I really like like lo-fi style, like kind of uh, DIY style stuff, especially for like content like this. Like I remember when Odd Future was on the up and up, that was kind of their bread and butter. And that's what I loved. Similar to like Kendrick and, uh, Joey Badass and all that kind of stuff. So that's more my vibe. This seems like just a dude had a lot of money and he was going to use it. And that's kind of been there, done that for what, the last 40 years of music video. So just nothing new. I'm the wrong person to ask. Just wasn't my style. So let's let's talk about what this means because we, we've broken down like every decision Jake Paul has made when it comes to Dana ad nauseum. So... I'm more curious about the future and where this could go from both sides. It's so open-ended when it comes to Jake, but credit to him. He is also the co-promoter of the biggest women's boxing fight in history coming up at MSG in a couple of months. He's out there doing the media rounds and very cool situation there. But the whole thing that with the, with the video and even just going on aerial show, the MMA hour says it's all about the fighters. Says the goal is to get a fighters union or an association started, which he says he's already been working on. So Eric, Jake's going to keep poking at this bear that is Dana White. He's going to keep on taking shots whenever he can, as often as possible. But sometime in 2022, are we going to be sitting on a conference call with Jake Paul and other fighters talking about an association or a union like we heard in 2016? Not that anything's really going to come from it and we're like, wow, the fighters finally unified. But are we going to get to that point like we did at the end of 2016 where Jake Paul is going to be in a room with a bunch of fighters where we're, we're going to have an association? There's a new PFA. It's happening now and it's run by Jake Paul. Can this happen? I think we are more likely to be sitting on a conference call by the end of 2022 
of Jake Paul fighting for the UFC than we are for Jake Paul to be the leader of a fighters union. Um, I don't think there's, there's much of a chance of that happening. Um, I don't see a lot of buy-in from the fighters for what Jake Paul is doing. Now he mentioned um, in that interview with Ariel that he's getting some support privately as opposed to publicly. In my opinion, that's the thing that's going to move the the needle. The public support is going to be the thing that moves the needle. Um, I think the fighters are going to need to be able to, to take some risks and go out on a limb. I think this is why the unions have, have not been successful in the past. Um, it seems to be the retired fighters that are the ones pushing the agenda because they no longer need employment from the UFC. And I understand that and nobody should, should be prevented from making their living. I, th- I think that's you know well within their right to do. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to get enough of those fighters together. Um, I also don't think you know, he just has the time to do that. That is a full-time job. He has all these other things going on. He's now a promoter. He's a fighter. He is expected to at some point get back in the ring. Um, that feels like too much of an undertaking, especially for the timeline of 2022. Um, but if we're lo- looking long- long-term, I honestly think it's more likely that he's fighting for Dana White uh, than fighting against Dana White. I'll be completely honest. You agree, Jose. Do you think by 2022, we're talking Jake Paul maybe fighting for the UFC or... I mean, even if he puts this conference call together, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, it is what it is. It's like the diss track. It's going to be used just to poke the bear, just as a as a shot to keep this rivalry going. What's more likely in your eyes? Probably him fighting in the UFC, but that's just because, like, how many times have we seen uh, someone show up and be like, we're going to make a big difference and, and start a union and everything. Like, I sat, I can't, what was his name? Uh, in, like, 2016, 2017. No, no, even before oh, no. Was it, it was before that he did like a press conference in Las Vegas after the UFC 202 weigh-ins and like all the media went and they had a bunch of questions like even Matt Mitrione, who wasn't on the UFC roster at the time he had just signed a Bellator like he went because he had questions because obviously he was in the NFL so he had like very specific questions that someone that had been in that and in an athletic union would have. And it sounds like it seems like this all great sunshine and rainbows. And he was on the MMA hour at the time. And I even think Lucas Middlebrook was involved. And then it all just fell apart. And Lucas Middlebrook left saying it was all like a sham and this and that. And he was talking about having cards, like union cards and everything. It just didn't work out. So we've done, we've done this song and dance a million times. Like you would think a, like any sort of association or union or whatever that involved George St. Pierre and Cain Velasquez and Don Sterling, like that would have legs. And it's just died it just didn't get anywhere after that one very bizarre press conference now i'm not saying it shouldn't happen all the fighters should unionize obviously and they should get paid what they want there should be collective bargaining agreement i just don't think it will happen based on the in in the time frame you're asking uh so by that by default the answer would be jake paul fighting in the ufc but that's like one percent and the other answer is zero percent so it's still not going to happen it's just by default that's more likely going to happen All right, so on the flip side, Jose, we have Dana White, who typically enjoys firing right back quickly to these things. He responds to these things right away, whether it's he just goes red face or something. He has been quiet about this whole thing. We haven't heard him talk about Jake Paul since the whole drug testing challenge ordeal, like right on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, which is pretty smart on his part. You don't want to go tat-a-tat with with Jake Paul when we're – doing stuff on social media because this battle he's never going to win. But at some point, he is going to respond. How do you think he's going to do that, Jose? Or is he just going to explode at a press conference when Oscar Willis asks him about Jake Paul? It's going to be at a press conference. Like Dana White is normally the loudest person in the room, and he kind of pushes you until you just give up. Jake Paul has a few things at his disposal that Dana White has. All the time in the world, 
a lot of money, and he doesn't seem to particularly care what anyone on planet Earth has to say say about him. Now, Dana White has a lot of those things too, but he is running a, a business at this point. And how many times, like Jake Paul's whole business model in life is monetizing controversy. Like he took out a PPP loan and then went on like a party during the co like during the pandemic. <laughs> like he like he moved to Puerto Rico to like for some reason, and then he was like driving his motorcycle or like like ATV whatever you call it, like on the beach where they're like endangered turtles and like doing all that stuff they, he was at uh like the looting during like the blm uh movement in scottsdale arizona over here so his whole mo is monetizing controversy uh so he's not backing down unless obviously something terrible happens to him legally or something like that and same as dana white the only reason i think the only way dana white even remotely responds to jake paul is if a reporter asks him because dana white's not normally one to turn down answering a question unless it's about nfts at a ufc 270 press conference which that's not gonna happen anymore so <laughs> probably at a probably in houston next week when we see him or at the post-fight press conference for ufc vegas 47 is that it hermanson strickland maybe then if he shows up because again dana white's been suspiciously quiet the last few weeks do you think uh, we will hear a response from Dana White, New York, Rick? Is this is this a thing? If he's asked about this in Houston or this Saturday after that card, is he just going to freak out and be like, I'm not answering that shit, we're moving on, or is he just going to go full blast on this thing? Yeah, I, I think uh, Jose's right that the next time we will hear from him will be at a press conference. I think moving forward, those will kind of be the forums that we hear um, him talk about Jake Paul. He released that video in response, the challenge video the last time, and I think he learned his lesson there. Um, this is not the playing field. This is not the battlefield that he wants to engage Jake Paul, um, who then turned that into more content for himself. Um, and people seem to think that Jake Paul took the dub in that exchange. I would be one of them. Um, I don't think we're going to see Dana White go out of his way to do that again. Um, I think he's going to be asked about it. I think he's probably going to treat it with the same level of annoyance that like the Bob Arum trailer, that general area of questions, um, gets where he's obviously annoyed, obviously perturbed. He's going to try his best to like take a shot. Um, and not get too agitated. And then if he's in a bad mood that day, he'll go over the top and, and completely blow his top. Um, but I think he'll probably treat it as, as the way where he tries to um, firmly dismiss um, the legitimacy of Jake Paul and, and everything he's doing the same way he would do for top rank or the same way he would do for Triller or any of his other adversaries. Um, and then if pushed hard enough or just in a bad mood, um, go with that extra gear and, and take it into a, into a clip for social media. Um, but I think that will be the forum where we'll, we'll, we will hear from Dana White moving forward. I don't think Jake Paul is going to be somebody that he's actively going out and, and uh, making uh, videos about. Hopefully after this response, we get to take a, a nice little breather from this whole Jake Paul, Dana White thing, but we aren't that lucky. It's 2022 and Jake Paul might end up in the UFC, but we'll move on for now. Let's talk about some actual fist fights that happened this past weekend. The point for round one goes to... Goes to New York, Rick. It is one to nothing. Tremendous battle. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. So let's shift to Bellator MMA. Yes, Bellator's first event of 2022. Bellator 273 happened this past Saturday. We had some interesting matchmaking decisions. We had some fun prelims. Main card capped off by a pair of upset wins by some wily veterans, including heavyweight champion Ryan Bader and good old Benson Henderson getting back in the in the win column. So, Rick, we'll begin with you. Did Bellator jump out of the gate in a big way in 2022? Was this the sort of hot start that they were hoping for? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not going to go that far. Um, but I will say there were some things on the card, and I'm, and I'm looking back at, at it. There were some things on the card that I thought Bellator could build upon this year. Um, Sullivan Cauley and Lucas Brennan looked great. Um, that that's nice for them to be able to capitalize on Benson Henderson getting back in the win column. Unfortunately, you know, we're in a situation where he's a free agent, so we don't know if he'll be a Bellator fighter going forward. I think it's up to them to kind of um, decide that and, and, you know, map out Benson's future and Bader look, you know, that could have been a fight that bit, that was a fight that Bader was expected to, to lose. That could have been a fight after it was two rounds to one in the third and looking like uh, Moldovsky had all the momentum that Bader could have just folded and he won the two rounds. And now it's setting up a big fight in Paris not the biggest fight they could have made for him. I personally would have went with Fedor, but a big fight in Paris with Czech Congo. Um, that look, they can capitalize on that. Um, so I don't think it was a home run by any means for Bellator. I think they could have come out stronger, but I don't think it was it was a bad showing either. I thought there was some stuff that that they could build for toward the year. It would have been really nice if they had that Kat Zinganu and Cyborg fight to be able to announce. Um, that would have really carried some momentum forward for them. Um, so not great, but not terrible. Jose, you were there. Success, no home run. Was it a single, double? Did you get thrown out a third? Where, 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 what did that card do for you? Uh, I think it just depends on how you viewed it. Like being in the building, 
it was a home run for the people there. I mean, they didn't, they, they like tarped off a lot of the upper level. So it was pretty much just the lower bowl. And I didn't see any empty seats by the main event. Uh, there was a big day for hometown fighters like Sullivan and Benson and Henry Corrales and Ryan Bader. Like if you remember the October card that had Ryan Bader uh, and Corey Anderson, it had Benson Henderson, Brent Primus and everything. The Arizona fighters did not fare well in Arizona. And this time they not only won, like the fights were like decent, like Sullivan Colley, like I told all you guys after he put on an absolutely electric open workout to the point where everyone that was even in attendance stopped what they're doing to go watch this two and O fighter just hit pads. Uh, Benson Henderson. Uh, I think we need to normalize high action grappling in, in, in main, in fights where, I mean, that fight was essentially just scrambles and submission attempts and submission escapes and submission defense. And I was entertained from pillar to post and that arena was raucous during that fight. And then Ryan Bader, obviously, uh, I think if we're talking about who Pelator would benefit from winning that main event, the answer is Ryan Bader. Uh, Valentin Moldovsky is his humor isn't quite on the level of like Habib where his like broken English makes him kind of endearing and intimidating. He's not the best interview. And to the point where I, I am willing to bet that in our, in past interactions I've had with him, he just pretended he didn't even speak English because he didn't want to do the, the interview. And then this weekend, lo and behold, he's doing whole media days in English without the translator. No one gets that good at English in like four months. So uh, it was a big win for the, for Bellator in terms of Bader winning because then they, obviously they can rematch Congo in France. Benson winning was pretty fantastic. Islam Mamadov is losing to Benson Henderson in the co-main event after such a long unbeaten streak is nothing to hang your hat uh, head down by. Uh, I think he'll be just fine moving forward. The only disappointing thing, and as great as Sullivan Crawley was, how are you going to put Big Tuna in the curtain jerker against an all-American wrestler with lightning fast hands like, Promotion malpractice at its finest, to quote one Luke Thomas. So that was the only I would say that was uh, that was a strikeout. Everything else I think worked out well for the, for Bellator, especially for the crowd in attendance, which which were absolutely fantastic all week uh, inside that arena. Yeah, and if you're gonna if you're gonna book that fight, just put on the first fight on the main card and get the crowd up mm-hmm. and jumping. Like you could have put Sullivan over like a star. The reaction yeah. he would have got for beating Tuna, like that would have been huge in that building. But neither here nor there. Sullivan was was definitely feeling himself at the at, at the open workout. He even felt him. He, he felt it like a week later. I spoke with him the other day, and he was like, oh, "I put on a show at the open workout. I know I did." But we'll we'll talk about Ryan Bader's next move in a minute and the stir that that caused. But Let's go back to Benson Henderson because he he snaps a career high losing streak, snaps the 19 fight win streak of of Islam Mabedov. Which personally, I thought Mabedov lost to Brenton Primus. So, but still, 19 fights is 19 fights. Judges got this one right on Saturday. But then, like mm-hmm. you guys alluded to, Benson's a free agent now. He feels like he underperformed for his last contract. He hopes to resign, but he's kind of even unsure whether or not he'll even fight again. So, Jose, what's your gut telling you? You think? Benson Henderson will end up back in Bellator. Uh, that's. I would say probably not, but not because they don't want him to. I just think they're going to offer him something because, like Benson Henderson said on the MMA Hour and at the post-fight press conference, he underperformed his contract, and he said Bellator paid him a lot of money, uh, and he doesn't think he quite lived up to it. Uh, he also fought like a murderer's row. Like Andres Koroskov beat the soul out of him. And like Benson Henderson will be the first one to admit that. I think 
as Eric knows, he has kids. There's certain points in your life where you you want to win the championship in one of the major organizations. The second you start popping out kids, your priorities change and you want to secure their future. So I think Benson Henderson very clearly wants to go to Bellator. But if Eagle FC or one or PFL or one of these other promotions gives him more money, that's probably what he's going to do, especially because like we saw in the MMA Hour and at the post-fight press conference, his kids are now at that age where they're going to his fights. They know what he's doing. He still owns, He's still like the owner of the lab up in Glendale. And he also has said a few times that he's probably going to retire once his wife goes pro, his wife, Maria Henderson, who uh, apparently, according when we spoke to him immediately, he's having a hard, they're having a hard time finding her amateur opponents just because of how good she is at grappling. So she might go pro in her next fight. So Benson Henderson, the answer might just might be he never fights again and he doesn't sign with anyone. But I think he's going to go where whatever gives him the most money. But if it's up to him and everyone offers him the same amount across the board, it'll probably be Bellator. I just don't think Bellator is at the point where they're going to want to keep Benson Henderson around and knock off these young people they're trying to build up. Yeah, I, I spoke with Benson before the fight, and one thing he said that stuck out to me was I asked him how the fight came together, and he said he reached out to Bellator and said, what do I need to do to get to a title fight as quickly as possible? And Scott Coker called him up. He asked Scott the same question. Scott responded with, fight is a Mabedov. He fought him. He beat him. So maybe he gets a title shot. Who knows? At least he's right there in the conversation. So what do you think, Eric? Like, if if Benson Henderson does fight again, and if – you know, Maria, if his wife Maria turns pro, there's a chance he, he might not. But if he does come back and fight again, do you think it will be for Bellator? I do not. Um, I think it's much more likely that he fights for a PFL or an Eagle FC, somebody like that. And I'll tell you why. But before I do that, I just want to point out how shrewd Benson Henderson is and or, or what I believe to be a shrewd move by Benson Henderson, which is I think if Benson Henderson approached this conversation as, hey, I'm going to test free agency and I'm going to look at all the offers out there. Um, I think the the response from Bellator might be good. Go do it um, because I, I think he's right that I think he did underperform for them. I don't think he was necessarily the draw that they anticipated that he would be and make the splash that he anticipated and they anticipated he would. Um, so I think his tactic of trying to get in as good with Bellator as he possibly can by saying, I want to be here. I want to come fight for your title is a shrewd move because it will put him in better standing with Bellator, in my opinion. I think if he was trying to leverage them, I don't know how well it would do for him. Um, so kudos to Benson, if that's what he's trying to do, cause I think it's smart. Um, but ultimately what I think will happen is I think for a promotion like an Eagle FC at the same spot that Scott Coker was looking at when he was coming into, um, you know, relaunch Bellator, he's more valuable to somebody like that. He's more valuable to the PFL in their season. He's more valuable to Eagle FC, um, launching this new promotion in the United States. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have said they were a new promotion in the United States, they are a new promotion. They are trying to build up this fan base here. Um, for them, I think he's more valuable than he is for Bellator, quite frankly. Um, Jose nailed it. Like him being there to knock off top prospects or even capture their title isn't necessarily what they might want. Um, that might inhibit the growth of some of their homegrown prospects. Uh, so I think Benson's best place and the place where he's going to get paid the most is probably going to be outside Bellator. Um, and it would make a lot of sense for both parties. So I think he's playing it right now to say, hey, I'm either going to walk away or, or – um, or go to Bellator because quite frankly, we know MMA retired retirements are worth, you know, the paper that they're printed on or aren't worth the paper that they're printed on rather. Um, so I think he's smart to play it that way, but ultimately I think he will fight again. And I think it'll be for a promotion like a PFL or an Eagle FC. So let's get to the story that had everybody talking following the event, or maybe not enough people talk in Bellator's eyes, the booking of the next heavyweight 
between Ryan Bader and Czech Congo. This is going down in May in Paris, which is a very big deal to go back to Paris. Two events before the UFC even thinks about going there. And I think Bellator was hoping for this big positive reaction, but it was more of it was more of a reaction that ended in like more reaction that ended in question marks than exclamation points, if that makes sense. Like, what? This is what we're doing? Rick, your reaction to this rematch as opposed to, I don't know, the rematch everybody wanted between Bader and Fedor here? Yeah, I mean, it shocked me. It sounded like it shocked Ryan Bader. Um, I think the story <laughs> the story goes the way he described it in the post-right press conferences. Right before he walked, you know, he walked to the cage, uh, his manager told him that it's going to be Congo in Paris or right after the win. I, I forget the timing of that, but um it makes sense from the perspective if they're look if they're going to Paris and that's a market that they're going to invest in and clearly that you know they have a presence um, in, in Europe and overseas that they're trying to build and and it makes sense to me um, that they would try to get into those markets. Um, this is a big fight, you know. Czech Congo is somebody who has um, a fan base in Paris and and I think that that makes sense. Um, but from a an objective, which fight do we care about and want to see as fight fans' perspective? This is a ball dropped. Um, I don't think you're going to get a better matchup. For Fedor, I don't think you're going to get a better matchup for Bader um, at this point in their careers. Um, that was the fight to make, and, and I think that this was a miss. Um, but I do get, I mean, you know, in the last um, part of this round, I was saying that I thought it was, you know, a mediocre event for Bellator. Jose countered with, hey, look, the arena was sold out. They're doing big business. The buzz was electric. I imagine that this will be a similar situation. That fight in Paris will probably be good for them. We'll probably do good business for them and, and the feel will probably be right. So look, they're they're planning, you know, steps ahead of this. It was a bit awkward how it played out. Um, it's definitely not a fight that I needed to see run back. There was no 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 part of me that was clamoring for the the rematch here. Um, but I get it from a business perspective. Uh, I would have rather seen Fedor, but I get it. I, I get it quite frankly. What was the reaction in the arena to this, Jose? And then we'll, on top of that, what was your reaction to the booking of this rematch? I'll tell you what, the uh, reaction in the arena was okay. Like, we're just happy Ryan Bader won at the moment. I think it was it was just weird timing for Bellator because the arena was very loud for Ryan winning. And then they brought Sheik Congo out, and it was more like, okay, like we just don't care. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with not because they don't care about Bellator or anything like that, but everyone, a lot of the people there, like I said, they, they tarped off a lot of the top were there for like, they were teammates of Ryan. They knew Ryan, or they had like been following his, 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 his career in Arizona. And it just felt like it felt like when stone cold, Steve Austin beat the rock at WrestleMania seven. And then like high five Vince McMahon, people are like, well, it's, that's a thing, I guess. Like that's fine, um, but it just—it was just weird. I didn't even see it happen in, at live because I was running to the back to set up for the press comms. It was just poor timing. The fight again, like Eric says, I—it is pretty unbelievable how little I cared about that fight the first time it happened to the point where even even Ryan Bader commented on our Instagram and was like, "No one cares about you." Uh, at one point, when I posted like a Shet Congo fight, he go, "But Ryan's a guy that'll fight whoever you put in front of him, and that's why he fought him." It's good for the French, the French people in France. I would imagine like Fernand Lopez will be kind of all over the place, cornering a lot of people. I bet Cyril Gaon is there, which like, you know, Bellator likes putting all these big fighters cage side and throwing them up on the screen, like similar to when Habib is in attendance for his teammates. So fantastic 10 out of 10 home run for the people in France who have been clamoring for high level MMA. Great for Bellator for breaking ground in a territory that the UFC has not yet broken ground in. 
do you, it's just going to be Ryan Bader wrestling Chicago for 25 minutes while the crowd around him boos. So good job, Ryan. You're going to get a real visceral reaction. Maybe you love it, uh, but I just, it's not Fedor. It's not Fedor in Russia. I'll say that. Yes, I was one of those people who went on Twitter and said, the Fedor fight was right there. Why didn't you do it? However, I spoke with Chicago yesterday. That interview's yeah. dropping soon. It is insane. The man was on fire. And I will say, he turned me. He turned me. I'm actually interested in this fight now. I, I asked him four questions, maybe, and he just went off for 30 minutes, oh. just pissed about everything. And I loved it. So, But I also thought about this, too. Glass half full. Fedor doesn't seem to be any rush for this final fight. Maybe they do it at the end of the year. Maybe the winner gets Fedor, and Fedor still gets his title shot in Russia. So mm-hmm. who knows? It's, it's it's a very possible thing. Maybe we can have our cake and eat it too. And so I talked to Sully Colley, and I, he was like, yeah, I know everyone wanted the Fedor fight, but like, think about it from Bader's perspective. Like, He can't beat Fedor any better than he did the first time. So like, where's the motivation? But maybe they'll get it done. That was Bell. Money talks. Yes. Yes, money, money does money talk. Talks. Absolutely. And that would be a huge fight. That'd probably be the best heavyweight fight they could put together. No doubt about it. It's by a mile. But that was Bellator. That was Saturday night. But Friday night, we saw the U.S. debut of Eagle FC. And we're going to talk about that next. The point for round two goes to... Mr. Jose Youngs. Mr. Jose Youngs. It is one-to-one. So let's get into this past Friday night. Eagle FC, 44 goes down in Miami, Florida. Sergey Karatanov, who, coincidentally enough, was in that crazy fight with Czech Congo. That Great fight. Congo, the title shot. Tremendous fight. One of the best fights of the year. Stops Tyrone Spong in the main event. Nice return from a long hiatus for Rashad Evans. That was really nice to see. Ray Borg had a nice win, and on and on it goes. But Eagle FC went all out on this one. From the commentary booth to the analyst to the production they got after it, and they spent a lot of money to do it. So, Jose, I don't know how much of it you watched or if you at least saw reactions on the site or on social media. How would you grade Eagle FC's U.S. debut from what you were able to uh, to, to pay attention to? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna compare it to, like, other promotions that kind of try to kick the door in and, and, and run with it. I think it was a great show for what, like like you said, every, like the bells and whistles and the productions and everything was great. Um especially for someone breaking ground in the United States, they didn't try to bite off more than they could chew. They worked with what they had and they used a lot. And it helps that like Habib is running this. And if if you've seen a lot of Eagle FC's production, like in, in Russia and everything, a lot of it looks like the UFC production. So he clearly paid attention to what the UFC was doing and just command C command V, but at a small and then like shrunk the size down. So Great stuff with Habib and all that stuff. Don't really care for Henry Cejudo on commentary. I'll tell you that much. I saw people defending like his commentary. I'm like, eh, just not my thing. I don't think he did great. They definitely got to sort out the, the press conference stream camera because you don't need to see Diego Sanchez and Kevin Lee's neck to the top of their head and then like 30 yards of negative space above them. That was a little silly. But all in all, I thought it was fine. They didn't bite off more than they didn't chew. I think there was like, to, to compare it to something in Arizona, there was like Rage in the Cage, which was like the longest running uh, local promotion in Arizona. I'm sure both of you have heard of it. There's been a lot of great fighters to come through that territory. I call it territory, like we're pro wrestling right now. Um, the These two twins bought it, and our colleague Sean Alshadi did like this big story on it years ago. And their first show, they just like, 
backed up the Brink truck and just dumped money. And it was amazing. And then it just didn't last <laughs> because they used all of their money on the first show. And Habib luckily didn't do that. I think he had enough recognizable names, enough interesting matchups to get people to tune in. And then the second show is where he has like the Kevin Lees and the Diego Sanchez and all that stuff. So I don't want to give it a grade one to 10 because I want to see how they do moving forward. But I thought they did well. I thought it was definitely a passing grade for their first show. Passing grade from you, New York, Rick, your thoughts on Eagle FC's U.S. debut. I thought it was a grand slam. I thought it was a great night for Eagle FC, and I think it will continue to kind of be a great night for Eagle FC as long as Habib is the one running the show. You know, he is able to use his network and and his access and what he has built up in the fight game to both get clout, to be able to sign um, talent. You know, look, Diego Sanchez and, and Kevin Lee, you know, we're former UFC fighters who still have name value. Um, Kamara Usman and Henry Cejudo sitting at the desk with Chael Sonnen and um, and uh, Habib himself on that pre-show. Those things are going to be the things that continue to be a calling card for them and going to be the things that people continue to tune in for. You know, Rashad uh, coming back and having a great performance. Um, I think that there is something sustainable here. I think the goal when you're doing your first show like this, and again, this is first U.S. show, um, you want to not make mistakes. And I thought they had a pretty clean night. Like, I think the only real criticism I was seeing on social media was for Henry Cejudo's commentary, which I agree with Jose was, was a bit of a, of a sore um, spot was, it was, it was the lone blemish on the record. Um, everything else from the pace to how the presentation looked to how they were leveraging Habib and their other athletes um, who were not competing um, to draw attention to the show worked. And I think the social media buzz around it worked. I think people were, were at least interested in seeing how their first show went, if, if not just to gawk and spectate. Um, and as long as Habib is, is able to bring in those eyeballs and, and other people that he has in his realm, in his universe, former teammates, former colleagues um, under uh, his, the same management with Ali, there's ways that he can draw attention to this league. And I thought it was a, it was a really strong start for them. And I don't think it will, will change much. I think Kevin Lee and, and Diego Sanchez is going to be one that keeps the attention. I am positively optimistic, I guess, for the future. I have a million questions that I probably need answered before I'm like, yay, let's go all in Eagle FC. But I think everybody has a lot of those same questions. If you really pay attention to the MMA space, if you paid attention to some of the matchmaking on this card, if we're being honest, I think those are questions that need to be answered. But the Henry Cejudo stuff is just really bad. And I know there are some people supporting Henry Cejudo and saying it was fun and like there, there are people on our Twitter space that were like, every time Henry Cejudo talked, I just laughed. It was just hilarious. We turned him into a drinking game. Every time he mispronounced the name, we had to take a shot. Like I, like you could keep him on a broadcast, but do an alternate feed with Cejudo and somebody else. Because when you have Cyrus Fees, I thought did a really good job, and Chael's Chael. And then once once Kamara Usman entered the fray, like this was a professional broadcast. Kamara is excellent, yeah. and the UFC needs to find a role for him on the desk or color commentary. He is excellent at what he does. So outside of Cejudo, New York, Rick, anything you want to see more of from Habib and company, any improvements you would make, how can they separate themselves from everybody else? Yeah, I think that's going to come down to the fighters. Quite frankly, I think it's going to come down to their roster signings and how heavily they lean into this being a secondary, like separate U.S. arm uh, for the promotion. I think they're going to have to continue to to be aggressive in trying to sign top talent. I don't think they'll have a problem doing that. Um, and I think that will make the difference. I will say the thing that I, I appreciated the most, and it seemed like people online did appreciate the most, was the pace. 
like quite frankly, they were rolling through those fights. There was no wasted space, no wasted time. They limited the times that Henry Cejudo was going to come on your TV and give you an earful of something that uh, you didn't want to hear. Um, you know, with all apologies to Henry, like I don't want this to turn into the Bash Henry show, but it, it was a bad uh, outing for Henry. Tyrone uh, or whatever his first name he was calling him, uh, but he was definitely calling him Sprung um, and not Tyrone Spong. Um it was a bad showing for Henry, but I thought that, again, that was the lone blemish for me. I think um, the pace was something that if they could keep it, and again, you know, now you start talking about broadcast partners and other things where you have to start cutting in commercials, that might change the equation. For now, um, it was it was a good show to watch. It was, it was a really nice Friday night of MMA, in my opinion. Yes, and pacing can solve a lot of problems. And pacing, the pacing almost, I almost forgot about Henry Cejudo at certain points because the pacing of the card was so good. How can how can they separate themselves from everybody else, Jose? Is there anything they can do that you, you kind of see holes in? You're like, if we could fill these gaps, like they will like have their own identity, and it'll make people want to watch more of it. I don't I don't know if they have holes to fill yet, uh, just because they're so new to the United States, and I don't obviously I don't watch all of their shows uh, over in Russia. I assume back back in Russia, back home, they it's like that they have it down to a science. I would I don't. Like I said, they need to clean up the, that press conference because what I did appreciate is that they had the press conference for the next card before the weigh-ins of this card. So like Pete, like there was already media there for the weigh-ins and they took advantage of that. Uh, like remember when the UFC would have those on-sale press conferences, like when they had Habib and Tony, that, press, that, that last press conference before the uh, Israel Adesanya, Yoel Romero ceremonial weigh-ins, so, like everyone was already there and they took advantage of it. So basically what I was saying is keep doing what you're doing, but like don't make that massive step and bite off more than you take baby steps. I think you, you got to find like to take a pro wrestling term. You got to find those, like those four pillars that you can build from the inside and then use big names to build them up. Like, like an AEW is like the Darby Allens and the MJFs of the world where like they are AEW talent. And then they use all like these other big names, like the CM Punk's the world to put them over. So you tune in to watch CM Punk you get a little Darby Allen, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch this kid with a bunch of crazy face paint jump off of things for the rest of his career. <laughs> so I would say look for that next big star. Like they tried, like Bellator tried to do with Aaron Pico and it just blew up in their face. And now Aaron Pico is obviously a viable fighter. But for a hot minute, people were real, real low on Aaron Pico. So uh, and don't. Oh, here's what I would do. Not do. Don't do the <laughs> MVP thing and kind of feed him cans too long like give him the highlight reel and then start building up his competition don't just have him fight a bunch of people that no one's heard of and don't have wikipedia page wikipedia pages for too long but other than that do what you're doing and take baby steps is what i would say don't just try to become the next ufc and sign someone big because like habib said the ufc doesn't want to treat their fighters right eagle fc is here yeah we'll see what happens so not a not a bad showing i enjoyed it on a friday night so uh, we'll see what happens in March with Kevin Lee versus Diego Sanchez. See how that card shapes up. I'm sure we'll be doing something with that. So we move on to the UFC's return to action after uh, a week off. The point for round three goes to goes to Jose Youngs. It's two to one. So let's go to Las Vegas, Nevada, UFC Vegas. 47 goes down this Saturday. The main event, a very interesting one at 185 pounds between Jack Hermanson and the surging, outspoken, polarizing Sean Strickland. Co-main event, 
Puna Soriano versus Diaz protege Nick Maximoff. We got Shafkat Rachmanov coming back against Carlson Harris. Some interesting fights on this card. Uh, Jose, we will begin with you here. This is the card before the second pay-per-view of the year. UFC 271 going on in Houston next Saturday. I think all eyes are pointing or are, are, are looking at that. But there's some interesting fights on this card. Your thoughts on the card as a whole and their return from a week break? Uh, it's definitely, without a doubt, not the strongest card they've put together <laughs> in a long time. Like, real interesting main event. But that's a good fight. Like, if that's a really good fight for, like, a pay-per-view, like, if, like one of the under like under fights of a pay-per-view, but I'm glad this is five rounds. But after that, like Puno Soriano, Nick Maximoff is a really interesting fight for diehard fans who want to see how these two prospects handle uh, a co-main event spot. That'd probably be, be like an ESPN Plus UFC fight pass prelim on any other main card. And like you said, there are really interesting fights and fighters on this card, and I won't get into that because I'm sure you're going to ask uh, later on in this round, but really not the like if you if you chop off the main event and and tell me that and show me a bunch of a bunch of these names i'll be like this is the the season season debut of dana white's contenders he'd be like yeah that makes sense real good fight so not the best card for uh but whatever it's like this is pretty much half for the ufc at this point with these apex cards what do you think nerd are you calling all your your mma friends on the phone or even your non-mma friends and saying hey saturday night Tell the wife you're staying home and UFC car because this one, this one's gonna deliver. Yeah, no, you, you. I'm not about to be <laughs> the guy that tells you don't judge the card until you see it play out. Um, I think that's nonsense. It's not. <laughs> it's not a strong card. It's not a strong card. Let's just call it what it is. That said, look, the main event is good. You can't. That that main event is unassailable. Hermanson, he's been alternating wins and losses, but to like top contender guys, I really want to see where he stands in the division. I really want to see is Sean Strickland ready to make that next step. He has some good wins, beating Uriah Hall on his resume. I really want to see a win over Jack Hermanson. To me, puts him in a, in a new category. I want to see uh, what that looks like. So I, I think the main event has a ton of intrigue. Um, below that, it does fall apart a little bit. But look, let's not discount. The, the the tough finale that never was that we deserve. This is the tough finale that we deserve, and I am excited about that fight. There's the, I don't know why it's so low. If I was making this card, I would have put that as the co-main event. I think you know the tough finale still has at least some um, prestige to it, and I think for everybody who followed that season, first of all, God bless you for still watching Tough, um, and secondly, um, that fight was one I was interested in. I thought at the end of the season, those were the two that I really did want to see fight um, and, and had earned their keep um in that bracket and we didn't get it uh unfortunately to an injury due to an injury to Treshawn Gore uh, but I'm excited about that fight and there's some other look I mean maybe we'll talk about it later maybe we won't but there's some other fights on that card um that I care about there's some prospects I want to see um there's some good matchups that I want to see so um it has something and quite frankly this is the level of UFC Vegas Apex cards that we've been getting it's not any better or worse than any of the other uh, ones that we've been seeing um and the main event is is pretty good in my estimation all right we will talk about uh some of those prospects you get your eye on but i'm curious new york rick who do you think has more at stake in this main event is it does sean strickland need a win more than jack hermanson needs a win is it vice versa what do you think yeah i think sean strickland needs a win more than jack hermanson just from the perspective that 
uh, Strickland is building something, right? Strickland's on, I, I believe, a fight-fight winning streak. Um, and this, to me, would put him in, as I said, that upper echelon. This would solidify him. Um, I think this is this is really important uh, for Strickland at a time when uh, the middleweight division seems to be opening up a little bit at the top. The guys have been knocking each other off, and, and the opportunity to face Israel Adesanya or Robert Whitaker, whoever wins that fight, um, could be presented to him sooner rather than later. Uh, so I feel like this would be a very, very important fight for Strickland. Um, if Hermanson gets the win, again, it's an up and down, up and down situation. I feel like um, it's a good win to have on his resume and and good for Jack. I mean, he's as game as they come. He's willing to fight anybody. So um, he's just one of those dudes. Um, but I think it means more. I think the the, the swing um, on the win and loss scale is, is going to move more for Sean Strickland. Um, but it's an important fight for the division. There's no doubt that this, this fight matters for middleweight. What do you think, Jose? And like, what can the UFC do with a guy like Sean Strickland? Like, he's super outspoken, but like in just like in ways we've never really seen before. You know what I mean? Like, he is just a different cat altogether. So, do you agree that that Strickland needs this one more? And just to add to that, if Strickland wins and he just keeps piling up, and we're starting, we're starting to sniff Adesanya territory. We're starting to sniff title fights here. Like, can the UFC? Like, do you see the UFC just really getting behind this guy? Without a doubt, they would get behind Sean Strickland. <laughs> like it's like the guy with a bunch of guns and talking about killing people, fist fights human beings for a living. Like color me, color me surprised at that. But yeah, Sean Strickland is, and like he, the dude sells a fight in ways that are not fake. He's not be like, oh, I'm gonna kill this guy, this and that. His media tapes are now like appointment viewing. Like, let's tune in and see all the nonsense that Sean Strickland said. Let's hear him talk about how he once like idolized neo-Nazis and now that's not his thing anymore. The cat is an interesting individual. Do I agree with anything about his lifestyle? No, nothing at all. But I want to see him fight. He's a very exciting fighter. The dude is talking like no one else. Like, what, who did he fight? Uh, I can't remember his name. When he like basically just talking in the middle of the fight and then after, he's like, hey man, good fight. Like in the fight, he's getting punched in the skull and be like, go, good fight. Good punch, bro. Good punch. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. Like, I love it. I don't want to see him fight in the Giants arena because I want to hear everything he's saying. Now, to answer your question, I think Jack Hermanson has more to lose in this because he's gotten there. He's, he's reached that finish line, like when he beat Jacare Souza, and that if he had beaten Jared Cannonier, he was probably going to fight for a title. And then, you know, he loses to Jared Cannonier in his backyard in Denmark. And then he he makes it a little further. He submits Kelvin Gastelum in Abu Dhabi in like a minute, and everyone's like, oh, Jack Hermans is back. And then he fights Marvin Vittori. And I think that was like a last-minute type thing. I think Jack Hermanson was supposed to fight Darren Till, and then Darren Till fell out, and then Marvin Vittori got like elevated from the co-main event. He was training for three rounds against Jacques Rousseauza, and then Marvin Torrey beat Jack Hermanson over five rounds. So I think Jack Hermanson has more to lose solely because at some point you're not going to get over the hump. And Sean Strickland is interesting enough that even if he loses, people are still going to want to watch him fight. And at the end of the day, wins and losses are great, and they should matter a whole lot more than they do in MMA. But this is a pri they're prize fighters at the end of the day, and pe they want people that people will tune in to watch and pay $75 now on ESPN Plus for pay-per-views. And I think the answer to that is Sean Strickland. A loss won't hurt him or how the UFC views him. 
Yeah, Sean Strickland could make a great living just headlining fight nights too because I think he mm-hmm. could be that guy, no doubt about it, until he gets to that title fight. But uh, you know what I'm asking now, Jose. Give it to us. Low-key banger. Oh. Let's go. What you got? I mean, how can you not bring up Shaq Rack Romanoff at, as like one of the guys? Like he is the guy that everyone – like he wears a wolf's – a hat made of wolf's fur <laughs> to his, his fights. He's fighting third from the top. I think this is an awesome fight. Carlton Harris is a fun fight, obviously – uh, I don't want to bring up the tough finale that Eric already brought up, but like after that, like I'm a, I've been a mark for Akeem Dawadu since he was like in World Series of Fighting. I know he stumbled in his first fight against London, and then he kind of put together that big win streak and stumbled in, uh, in in his last fight in Glendale. But those are the two that, like me personally, I am very excited for because I've been kind of high on them for such a long time. And then, and and I'm not going to call him a prospect because that would be incredibly disrespectful. But shout out to Shitty Nojikawani making his MMA debut in 2007, fighting pretty much a murderer's row at Bellator. Like, who did he lose to? Uh, Korshkov, Carvalho, and John Salter, I want to say. Like, those are pretty much former champions and former title challengers. He's like, what, 18 and something, goes on the contender series, wins, gets the UFC contract. Good for you, man. I'm really, really excited that you finally made it to the UFC if that was truly your dream and I, and you get to achieve that. And now I am very curious to see how you perform now that you got that contract. So those are the three names that me, Jose Young, is very, very excited for. And everyone should be excited for outside of the main event because Shagrat Gromanov is the man. And he is such a fun guy to interview. Yeah, he is a, he's a bad man. Always looking forward to seeing him fight. So what's yours, Rick? What, what, what's, what, what prospect fight? Which Fight fighter storyline flying under the radar that uh that, that got you got you excited that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I think it's kind of the 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 sum of the parts is uh, or the the sum of the whole is greater than the parts situation. Like it starts with Rachmanov. I think obviously he's somebody that that could be a, a future title contender. Um, and, and it starts there. Um, but that tough finale that I mentioned, like, look, either either of those guys, Trayshawn Gore or, or Brian Battle, could be somebody that becomes something for the UFC depending on the outcome of this fight. Um, uh, Jose alluded to it. Miles Johns and Hakeem Dawadu. That fight is is going to be a banger. I'm really excited about that one. Both of those guys on the rise could be could be um, future contenders. There's one fight and there's one fighter that always gets my attention. Um, that I care about deeply. That every time he walks out there, um, I'm locked into my chair. It's not fair to put him in that category of prospects or like up and comers necessarily. Um, that I was alluding to before. This is a separate category of don't miss a fight by X fighter and X fighter on this card is juicy J Julian Arosa. There's not a Ooh. bad fight anytime juicy J's in the arena. Um, so it will be a privilege to watch him fight on this card. Uh, and that's the one I'm going to be most excited about on the sheer will and the sheer power of juicy J alone. Um, unmissable fighter just brings the action anytime he's in there. And uh, that's the one I'm going to be most excited about. But look, you know, there's stuff to like, even though this is not a great card, I think there's stuff to like here. I'm not as down on it. And as I said, like, get used to it because this is going to be every Saturday from the apex. This is this is what these cards are starting to look like. And quite frankly, the pay-per-views are not looking much different either. Let's call it what it is. It is starting to become the boxing model of a real heavy, a real top heavy title fight. And then the rest of its spare parts. Um, this is one of those cards. I like the main event and I like Juicy J a lot. Um, and there's some other stuff to love, uh, but it's not great. Yeah, that's be a good fight, Rosa and Peterson. That'll just be chaos until until it's over. So, all right. The point for round four goes to 
Holy cow, it's New York Rick. Yes, there we go. It's two to two. And you know what that means. It means it is time for the knockout round. One question will decide it all. Each participant will have one minute to answer their question. And then we will turn it over to not Casey Lydon. No, 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 no. Mm. We must bring him back for the second week in a row in the judge's chair. Because this is a very special moment. Not only is he the, even though he doesn't consider himself this, the reigning, defending, undisputed BTL champion. He is also the newest full-time member of the MMA fighting staff. It just warms my heart. Let us say hello to Jed Mishu once again, who is kind enough to sit in the judge's seat. <laughs> and there he is. <laughs> hey How are we doing, sir? Work colleagues. How's it going? <laughs> Lovely to see you all. So excited to be here. Wow. So how has life changed, Jed? How does life change? You're, you're full-time MMA fighting, Jed. You, uh, you've accomplished your dream. We saw that incredible post of the MMA fighting mug. How has life changed over these last three or four days for you? You know, honestly, the only big change is some people sat me down and they said, Jed, I know while you haven't been a full-time employee, it's been totally okay for you to just put the boots to Jose every time you're ever on, on camera with him. But you can't do that anymore. Like you, your colleagues now, uh, you're, you're gonna have to take it easy on him, go a little lighter, maybe let him get a dub every once in a while. So that's really the only change I've noticed thus far is that I had that, I had to have that talk. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic. All now, right, let's get to now, this. Now, ahead, now Mike, let's not like, I like how you phrased it as like, achieved your lifelong dream of working for MMA fighting. Like, let's not get him mistaken. Like, Jed's lifelong dream was to work with Jose Youngs. Like, MMA fighting just happened to be the umbrella that they're working with. So, there you go. I'm, that's where I'll leave it at. Like, like Jed, how was your dip in your above-ground swimming pool before you jumped on, huh? Get out of here, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. This has been probably the biggest rivalry in, in the history of the show between these two guys. These we, they have crossed paths many uh, on many of occasions, but we need to move on. We, we guys can continue this argument later on in the program, but <laughs> New York Rick is coming in with the victory here. He is victorious last week, so he has the champion's prerogative. So you have the option if you'd like to answer this question first, or if you want to pass it over Price is Right style to Jose to go first. I'm going to go first. Let me have it. Wow. Bold. Wow. I love it. This is a great move me, right here. Before we do that, let me let me just say how nice it is to see Jed. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome. What a guy. Couldn't happen to a nicer dude. So happy to see him. Uh, just just so happy you're here. And uh, happy that you're a judge on this. I mean, this prestigious show. Um, uh, just love to hear how, how um, Jose treated you. Um, and just remember, you know, that when, when you're thinking about the answer to this question. That's that's real that's that, that's really weird because that's the exact opposite of what you just slacked me. You asked you just slacked me who is this Jed question <laughs> mark? Like so respect for respect for playing it up to the new guy. Nicely done. New York Rick is uh even though this is his second appearance on the show, he is treating this like it's his 25th. So here's the question. It was uh it's probably not that surprising because Jorge Mazadal earlier this week teased that he was about to expose one Colby Covington, his future opponent for UFC 272 going down in March. Five-round main event. No love lost between these two guys. He teased this announcement. And then last night, Jorge Mazadal released part one of a video 
basically exposing COVID Colby Covington. So based on the trailer that he released to the product that he released, how did you react to this? How would you grade it? And will this be, quite frankly, the ugliest build to a fight you have ever seen in your life? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked this because I have some strong feelings on it. It was it was an F. That was a failure on Jorge Masvidal's part. What he did was just show everybody how good a salesman Colby Covington is. This might as well have been a commercial, an advertisement for Colby Covington. Um, all he did was reuse Colby Covington's lines and show that Colby Covington is able to pull the wool over the eyes of most of the public. Um, he can continue to say one thing this way and one thing this way and get people to buy it. If anything, I thought this was an endorsement of what Colby Covington's been able to do. In fact, all these times that he talked about Colby Covington like turning heel on him, that's the intention. This is exactly what Colby Covington has wanted to do. I don't think we learned anything new about Colby Covington, that he was straight Judas. And to be and to be honest, he's using Colby Covington's lines to try and get it. Um, so yeah, for me, this this was a was this was an F. This was a failure. It, this built up Colby Covington, in my, in my opinion. All right. With, even with a couple seconds to spare, that was that was quite the answer. He buttered Jed up and then dropped an F, an F on one Jorge Mazadal. As we turn it over to Jose Youngs. Jose, your thoughts on the teaser, the results, part one, maybe part two will be better, but who knows? How did he do? And does this make you any more excited for the fight? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. This wasn't even an F. This was a teacher handing the work back and be like, show your work because, hey, Jorge Masvidal, def- like, it would be absolutely hilarious if it was Jorge Masvidal going through all of those videos and like pulling out everything. But I'm pretty confident that Jorge Masvidal hasn't sat at a computer and edited a video ever. Also, using Rumble, like, come on. Like, I know you live on Parlor and you live in that like cesspool of a world in like that conservative world where everyone is out to get you and you're the victim. But Rumble, like I had to ask like, what I work on the internet in a video department. And I was like, what the hell is Rumble? And everyone started to tell me about it. I'm like, oh, so it's a platform I never need to use ever again, unless Corey might as well makes me for my job. So uh, not an F, like, Please show your work, Jorge Mazel. And it just makes Colby Covington, like New York Rick said, was an endorsement for it was the greatest hits of Colby Covington. Like, look at all of this stuff that Colby Covington sold as a prize fighter and why it's bad. Boo! Terrible. <laughs> Man, Jed, you came in at the right time because honestly, I would say that might have been the best final round for responses between two opponents that we've ever had on the show outside of maybe Jed Mishu versus Aaron Bronsetter. That was, that was quite the battle because that thing extended like eight minutes after the final. They <laughs> yeah. just kept arguing with each other. It was a beautiful thing. So now you got a very tough decision to make Jed. Like, I mean, this is your first full-time week and we're, we're putting you right in the hot seat. So you heard both <laughs> arguments. I thought they're both quite great arguments if we're being honest different opinion both agreed but kind of had differing views of the whole thing who got it done jed big decision here is it new york rick once again or is it jose young's back in the saddle again man it's this is a tough one i i did not see both men being so anti jorge masvidal i thought thought surely somebody would would think that this was good work um and neither of them made the point that i think would have been the best point which is uh 
Masvidal is going to get his ass beat by Covington, so he's going to look way dumber with this video after the fact. But uh, it's very difficult. Um, I I loved Jose's entire spin on on Rumble because that's just dead on. Um, but you know, Ricky Ricky came first, came in, Ricky. set the tone high, set the tone high. This is this is a difficult one. I think I have my answer. Casey, drum roll, please. I'm so excited right now. Your winner. The man I've wanted to work with for so very, very long, Jose Youngs. Whoa! He gets it done! Jose Youngs! The wily veteran comes through. Wow, that was a super, super close final round. And... Jed gives it on over to Jose. Not a biased judge whatsoever. Jed caught it right down the middle. And you got to appreciate that about the man. And so, Jose, congratulations. You know the prize. 30 seconds to say whatever it is you want to say. Go right ahead. Well, here's why I knew Jed was going to pick me. Because Eric, New York Rick, has been, this is like, what, his first, second game. And you really do have, like, at the end of the day, I could have just, like, I don't know, played a game of marbles and I still would have gotten this right because you play to the judges. You don't necessarily answer the question right. And if there's one thing I know about Jed Mishu is that if I'm being honest with him, that's all he's going to respect. Me and him might have this big rivalry where he's pretending in his world that he does all of these terrible things to me on between the links. I clearly disagree. And I think he can respect that. Just like I respect how he's always wrong. So played up to the judges, shot it down the middle. And that's how you win on between like that was a veteran moon from the inaugural BTL champion. All right, New York Rick, two incredible weeks in a row. You you brought your A game both times. Your thoughts on the decision here? Uh, no, no hard feelings for Jed. Um, no hard feelings for Jose. I think uh, we got what we deserved out of that one. You know, <laughs> two two losers cohorting with each other. Um, and conspiring against me. Um, I came strong, <laughs> Jed's words, and first, um, and really just delivered the, the, the answer that was going to be the winning answer. No, I, I'm only kidding. Yeah. Um, I, it, it was really fun uh, to be on again. Uh, props to Jose. It, it was awesome. Um, and, and welcome, Jed, uh, to the team. It, it was really fun. I love this. Um, and I'm just happy to be here, to be completely honest. Hey, Eric, you know what? You know what John Cavan always says? Win or learn, baby. Win or learn. I learned today. I learned today. <laughs> well, next week we have uh, UFC 271 to prepare for. We have to get Jed back on. We just got to find the proper opponent for him. I don't know if we're going to get Phoenix. I don't know Let's when that's going to happen. I have the proper opponent. I'm waiting you have for the proper title shot. Well, listen. I mean, Phoenix you're, the, you're the it, it, worst case scenario, you're the interim champion. So... We can at least defend the interim title. At least just get you in for some reps, dude. You can't come in and face yeah. Phoenix cold. I don't know if it'll matter. I think it'll work yeah. anyway. But yeah, you know. I'm pretty com- I'm pretty confident that I could just download the entire encyclopedia of MMA into my brain, and we would still lose to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, <it's just laughs> like, uh, David, Rick, you might have a 500 record, but it's still better than AK. But AK, I mean, AK is playing better than, than his record. <laughs> That's hard. 
We love AK. All right, we are getting out of here. Thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Jed, thank you for hopping on once again. Casey Lyde, shout out to him on the ones and twos. New York Rick, Jose, tremendous battle. Thanks for checking out the program. I am Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esterlin takes you home. We'll see you back here next week. Once again, Between the Links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA yeah. fighting production. Thanks for watching, everyone. Click the subscribe button and uh, leave a nice comment. I'm Esterlin. You know this Dude, I can't I believe my name. I can't believe you got the narrator for Pokemon. Uh, buy, buy Pokemon. Buy it all. <laughs> so you're supposed to catch it all. Catch it all. Yeah, I'm Esterlin again. <laughs> you're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.